Hello and welcome to our week three recap of our series reruns, where we're learning biblical principles from some of our favorite television shows. This month we've watched King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond, and today, uh, one of our favorites, The Office. And because of copyright reasons, we can't put the message in its entirety online, but we wanted to give you a recap of what we've been talking about. And today we watch season four, episode one of The Office, where we're dealing with disappointment. The central character of this show is Michael Scott, who is the manager of an office paper company. And the show is about all the different characters that work inside of that office. And there's a lot of things that happened in this episode that I think we can relate to because it's dealing with disappointment. Michael Scott starts off the day and he's, he's on his way to work and he's talking to the cameras about how good of a day and how good of a year it's going to be. And when he pulls into the parking lot, he actually hits Meredith, one of his employees, with his car. And he has to go inside the office and he has to tell everybody the bad news and obviously it disrupts the entire day. And I think just like that, you and I experience that in life. We start out on our day and something happens, something gets twisted, something goes wrong and we've experienced disappointment. Maybe you've gone to a restaurant and somebody told you it was really good food and it was really good service and you decide to go and you spend your money and you invest your time and it was a disappointment. Or maybe you went to watch that movie that everybody's been talking about and you walked away just disappointed. Maybe you got that new job, you finally let your other job go and you're excited about a brand new start and you get this new job and it's a disappointment. Maybe you wake up next to your spouse every day and it's just disappointment. I'm not going to go there, that's just, that's another day, that's another time. But disappointment, we've all experienced it and we know what it's like to be disappointed. And so today we've actually talked about the story of Job out of the book of Job. And it's about a man who loved God and who served God. As a matter of fact, in Job chapter 1, we get a, a definition of who Job is. And the Bible says he's an upright person. He's blameless. He fears God. He shuns evil. It actually says that Job was the greatest man among all the people. It even tells us that he would get up early every day to pray for his family. And he was somebody that loved God. And you know, anytime you do something that's progressive or anything you do the right thing or anything that you do to try really hard or even to serve God, the devil doesn't like it and he's going to fight against it. And that's what happens in Job's life. The Bible teaches us that the devil actually went to God and had a conversation and said, you know what? If it wasn't for all the blessings in his life, he wouldn't serve you like he does. He wouldn't live for you or trust you in the way that he does because Job was a very blessed man. He was very wealthy, had a great family. And God said, that's not the only reason Job serves me. Job loves me and gives his life to me because, because he loves me. And if you do anything besides take his life, you'll see that Job is faithful. And that's exactly what happens. The enemy, he, he steps up to the, to the plate. and He tries to achieve the task of destroying the life of Job. And the Bible teaches us that Job's oxen, sheep, and camels, they all died. That may not sound like much to you, but some of you can remember lifestyles of the rich and famous or maybe from a few years ago cribs where they would visit the, the, the homes of Hollywood celebrities and you would see all of their collection of, of muscle cars and all their expensive stuff. Well, if you went to cribs in Job's house, you would find his camels and his oxen and his donkey and sheep and all of that stuff because it was, it was a sign of wealth. It meant something and he lost it all. The Bible also tells us that his kids, they all died. And then Job's physical health begun to fall apart. And so from there, just like we would do, and maybe you've walked through disappointment in seasons where you go, God, why is all this happening to me? I'm a good person. I pay my bills. I go to work. I take care of my family. 
I go to church, I serve you, I read my Bible. So why are all of these bad things happening? And in the episode of The Office, that's what happens next. In the next scene we watch, uh, Michael Scott gets everybody together and they're trying to figure out what did we do wrong? And he asks crazy questions like, did anyone disrupt an Indian burial ground? And then he says, we're all going to discuss our religious beliefs together. Of course, a representative from HR, Toby, says, you can't discuss that at work. But Michael Scott being Michael Scott, that's exactly what they do. And he says something that's, I think, profound and very common to us. He said, if there was a God, then why are all of these things happening? And Job had similar experiences. He began to question. He began to wonder. As a matter of fact, he slipped in some pretty deep depression. And the Bible says in Job chapter 7, verse 20, he said, If I've sinned against you, God, what have I done? He said, Why make me your target? God, am I a burden to you? In other words, God, if I've done something wrong, please just tell me so I can fix it. And then we see his true heart and really the depth of the depression that he's in. In Job chapter 3, he said, Let the day of my birth be erased and the night that I was conceived. He said, Why wasn't I born dead? What an incredible statement. Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. God, I just wish I wasn't here to deal with this. God, I wish that I never had to face any of this stuff that I'm going through. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. Maybe you've thought those exact same things. And then maybe you reach out to the people that are closest to you. You do anything to try to find some encouragement, somebody who lifts you up and who will support you. And that's what happens in scene three of The Office. As a matter of fact, they all get together and they go to visit Meredith in the hospital. And one of the classic lines that I love, it's a Michael Scott line. He says, I'll drive, I have room in my car. And to which someone says, Stanley, hey, you, you hit someone with your car today. We're not riding with you. And he says, everyone in the car was fine, Stanley. Only Michael Scott can say those types of things. So they go to the hospital, they're gathered around Meredith's bed, and it doesn't go the way they think it should go. Meredith is a little overwhelmed that they're all standing around her. They're all talking and saying different things. It's just not very comforting. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of comforting. And, but Michael Scott is intent on having her forgive him. He's got a motive in the conversation. And Job experienced this. He went to the people that were the closest to him and he didn't find the encouragement that he was hoping for. He didn't find the good pep talk that you're going to be okay and you're going to get there. He found the opposite. His wife actually told him in Job 2 and 9, she said, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Just curse God and die. Wow, can you imagine the person that should be the closest to him in this time of need actually says, just forget about God. Go ahead and just curse him and die already. Another friend said to him, said, my experience is that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. So in other words, Job, I don't know what you did, but the reason that you're in trouble is because you've done something. You've sinned against God. Another friend actually says something even more hurtful, I believe. He said, your children must have sinned against him, so their punishment was well-deserved. Can you imagine someone making the statement to go, well, your children, they sinned against God, so they deserve to lose their life. Obviously, they did something wrong. And then another friend said to Job, if you just prepare your heart, lift up your hands to him in prayer, get rid of your sins, and leave the iniquity behind you, then your face will brighten with innocence, and you will be stronger and free of fear. In other words, Job, whatever you did, just confess it, 
Just repent and God will take care of it. When the Bible explained that Job was an upright man, blameless, man of character, integrity, and loved God, Job hadn't done anything wrong. It's just that the circumstances around him were out of his control. But I believe that everything that happens to us and in our life is for a reason. Sometimes we cause things and that is the reason. And then sometimes God allows things to happen for the good of other people and for the good of ourselves. The Bible teaches us that all things work for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And in the last scene of the office, we see that there was a bigger reason. There was actually a blessing to Michael Scott hitting Meredith with his car. It's learned while she's in the hospital that she was bitten by a bat and she has rabies, which in Michael Scott's own words, is far worse than a crack in your pelvis. And so he goes to the office and he says, as it turns out, Meredith has rabies and me hitting her with, her car, with my car saved her life. And he says, there is a God. And so we learn that out of tragedy, something good actually happened. And in Job's life, it was all the same. Job comes to an understanding after spending a lot of time talking with God, battling the ups and downs of the depression from the circumstances that he was facing. But in Job chapter 42, we learn this. Job says, God, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked me, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And I love it. Job said, it's me. It's I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about. And then you said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. And then Job says in verse 5, I think is really really the, the big thing that I want you to you catch today. Job said, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes, and I show my repentance. Job said, I, I knew God. I had experienced God. I had a relationship with God. But after this season of my life, I know Him like I've never dreamed of. I'm so much closer to God than I ever have been my life. And I think through whatever you're facing today, your discouragement, maybe the depression, maybe the stuff that's weighing you down, it's a great opportunity for God to show Himself even more real in your life than you've ever experienced before. And Job's story didn't stop there. The Bible teaches us that everything was actually restored to Job's life. He lived a blessed life even after a difficult season. And I'm believing the same thing for you today. I'm believing that the best is ahead for you and that blessings are on the way. If only you will endure the season that you're in, knowing that all good things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And so I want to pray for you. Where you are right now, if you could just make this an intentional moment and just block out all the distraction. Maybe you need a relationship with Jesus. and I want to pray for you and give you that opportunity to make Jesus number one in your life. And I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know if that's a decision that you've made. And then I want to pray for us that maybe you're dealing with something and you're just struggling. I want to pray that you'd be encouraged today and that you would just continue to stick it out to see the real meaning behind all the things that you're facing. So God, I love you. Thank you for my friends today. I pray for those who need to make a decision for you. We realize we have sin in our life and we need your forgiveness. So we ask you for that today. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. We accept that today, and we choose to put you first in our life. And I pray for all of my friends who are struggling, discouraged, or depressed, dealing with life circumstances. I pray that you would encourage them and let them know that you're still there 
and there's greater things ahead. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.